Welcome back to The Creative Herd. On this episode, I actually had a Skype call with Michael Drowley. He's a creator from Australia. He runs his own production agency and is a digital creator as well online. He posts YouTube videos, um, but tutorials, you know, behind the scenes from his corporate work and even posts some blogs. Michael actually made the leap from engineering into video production. And we talk about how he made that transition safely and smoothly. And we also talk about why having a contract is important, how to talk about budget and how to find out what's on the table for dealing with potential clients. Michael also shared a few things that helped him slow down and keeps him from burning out. I really enjoyed this chat and I hope you will too. Let's just dive right into it. ready to go at 8 a.m. I might tell the story on the podcast and my wife's just just I'll cruise out so because like right next door here is our living area so my son and her muck around in there and play around and stuff and and we've got two huskies so they're quite vocal as well and so she's like I'll, I'll cruise out you know so you and Spencer can have time and just it can be all chill and quiet so cool and then so right at 8 a.m. she left and then somehow the two dogs got out and so <laughs> So I had to go like look after that. Oh, I'll just help her to get them back because we've got like in this little complex here. And so they've got like a back backyard part right down the back. So things like that don't happen when you've got an office space, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. <laughs> but, you know, the lowered overheads and the benefit of working at home and, and having your own creative space is, is awesome. So uh, I do love it. It's just that getting that balance right sometimes is tricky. So, Oh, 100%. Yeah. Was this... Like where you are right now, is that always your creative space or? Yeah, so uh, we set up uh, in the beginning, uh, it was myself and a business partner who started things. And then we set up in a spare bedroom because um, we started before my son was born. And then we got in a two bedroom flat sort of apartment. So when he um, was born, my son, we, we then moved into the garage and sort of re purpose the garage so it was kind of like a it's a laundry on one end um and you can see a garage door on this side um and we kind of repurposed it we we um, sealed the flooring and did a few things with it um just to paint it at like a good gray like a mid gray for editing and so it's really now a great space it doesn't feel at all like a garage um and it's a really awesome space to create in. it's got like right next to me here's got two other desks which is you know for other People, um, we've had editors come in and friends come in and do things in here. So it's, um, yeah, it's really good. Wow. So you got like a cozy little agency in there. Yeah, that's it. Um, right behind me is like, I don't know if you can see, but there's a futon kind of layout here. So uh, I can have clients come in and chill here. And um, it's just a great space for, um, yeah, for me to do my thing and be out, you know, away from the rest of the house. And I encourage any, anyone to set up something like this. Even if you think your garage is dirty, just clean it. Like really just give it a really good clean out, keep it tidy. And, it, you know, it works. It gives you an area you can go and just create. So Perfect. Like this wasn't always your thing, right? Like you transitioned from a totally different career into this creative space, making videos for clients. Can you bring like bring us back to like how you started, what you were doing and like kind of how that transitioned happened? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess I was an engineer, um, mechanical engineer, and that was my first, yeah, I guess day job or gig or uh, hard graft. And so I've, I kind of followed my brother and he went into civil engineering and I kind of followed him into um, mechanical engineering, um, you know, into kind of the same um same profession, I guess you could say. And um, I think what it was for me is I got to a point where it was like I was kind of mid midway in my career. So maybe it was about, you know, 31, 32, 33. And um, I looked was looking down the barrel of like, okay, where can I go from here? And I was kind of looking towards, I was moving more into design. So more of a creative part of engineering that I was looking, uh, looking at, which was pretty cool. But I was looking down the barrel of what my boss was doing and what my kind of the colleagues who were just beyond me in, in years were doing. And I just thought, mm-hmm. mm, this is not really me. Like it doesn't really fit what I see for me, you know, in the future um, and, you know, further along my journey. So my boss at the time was getting in super early and he was just – and everyone was just wanted his attention and everyone was just like, you know, at him for the whole day. He just didn't have any time to do much stuff and – 
his work was really just really just managing people and I, I did like the design work and the engineering work. So for me it was like I sort of then started to think about, well, maybe this isn't exactly what it is for me. And uh, at the time I'd, I'd purchased a camera, um, I think I had the 7D and I started to do photography like lot, um, kind of not for money or anything, just for as a hobby on Instagram and doing some um, lifestyle photos. I was doing some portraiture, maybe um, some landscape as well. And I just really took to it, really enjoyed it. And then around about the same time, I started to make some videos and do video as well. And that became part of um, just, just messing around with it and not doing anything great in terms of creativity or quality, but just kind of messing around with video and seeing how, you know, that was. So from that point on, I sort of really start to think maybe I should, you know, look at getting paid to do some photography stuff. And yeah, over a period of probably two or three years, it just started to, some people in my world started to really encourage me in it and, you know, tell me I was, I had some skills in it and I didn't really think I did at the time, but people sort of were, you know, I don't know if I should applaud them or not because, you know, they pushed me, <laughs> pushed me to take, you know, take the leap um, and and get start asking for money for it. But I did that. And so, yeah, it was like a side hustle for for quite a while, just doing, you know, photo shoot here or there. And, um, yeah, and so that that led me towards my first big client, landing my first big client and then, and then thinking, okay, well, this could be something, you know. Right on. So what, like, yeah. made you buy that first camera? Is that something that you were interested in prior to and you just kind of, like, picked it up just randomly or...? Yeah, so backstory is I was really into photography. So when I was in, in primary school, uh, I used to look at all the photography stuff in the library. I would just get out and read every book. So I didn't – and my dad had a camera, so he had an old Vivitar, um, yeah, SLR film camera. So I'd actually used his film camera and I'd, you know, I'd sort of taken – um, taking film rolls of film and, and process them. And I did some photography kind of at school, but my school didn't have, um, cameras or anything at the time. They had a dark room, but it was more like pinhole cameras and like cre- more creative stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I was into photography and I knew all about it. So like I knew about aperture, I knew all the stuff that pe- people, you know, it takes years to learn. I'd kind of learn all that through books in the library. So I knew how to like get a set of camera up and you had to get better depth of field, all that kind of stuff is maybe I was like 10 or 11 years old. And that kind of led me into when DSLRs came on the scene in a big way and they became more affordable. That led me to sort of think, okay, I need to purchase one. And then taking that jump to purchase one was like we had, we just moved back from Dubai. Um, my wife and I, we met in Dubai and got about four years later, got married and then moved back to Australia and just what? after move, yeah, so that's another big story. But anyway, we're, we're back in Australia and I was kind of had a bit of like two or three months where I didn't have any work yet, hadn't secured a new job. So I actually went out and bought one then so I could just, just you know, utilize it. And we already, I can show you this actually, we already had um, this camera, the 350D. So um, I don't know if you can see that on there, but right on. Yeah, that was like just a photography camera, but I'd put, I'd bought that when we were in Dubai off a friend and my, that was actually my wife's camera. And so we were using that. And then I thought, okay, when I want to get something that can do video. So that's when I got, um, got the 7D and I got it off the back of, um, a friend in Dubai was Solomon, uh, Luke He was doing a bit of stuff then really early days for him. And he'd had the 7D and said it was really good. So he'd recommended it and. So that's the choice that I made. So, yeah. Crazy. So you lived in Dubai and that was where your old job was mm. back there. Yes. So when you so moved was, back, that's when the change happened? No. So, so when I moved back, I was again into engineering because it was just a stable kind of um, role that we could get reset and set up again in Australia. So I did um, yeah, design engineering for another four, four or five years after Dubai. Um, yeah. And then, and that's when the, like, I guess that's kind of when the side hustle became really a big part of things, you know, when the photography, I was doing it like for Instagram for, you know, my Instagram's not great or anything in terms of followers, but I was just doing it regularly on Instagram, regularly putting out, um, landscape stuff and hooking up with some of the Instagram sort of community, I suppose. And I really got Mm -hmm. into that for a while and then started to want to do more video content, um, and so, yeah, from there, it was like I slowly sort of transitioned into realizing I had some skill in it and, you know, that's something I was really enjoying doing. So so were you landing like gigs and stuff while you were 
at your engineering job? Yeah, yeah. So I, I literally did for one friend of mine, he, and again, another person who's quite pivotal pivotal in this whole journey who was pushing me in it. Uh, I did their in, uh, their engagement photo shoot um, and that was kind of the first one that was paid, I suppose you could say. But then what happened from there is I didn't want them to pay me like because they were good friends and everything. So I did it on the proviso that they were going to pay. And then I didn't, after I produced the photos and everything, I didn't um, ask them for any cash or anything like that. Just, no, no, don't worry about it. It's your mm-hmm. present, you know, your engagement present or whatever. And so, but from there, I was like, they were willing to pay, you know, it was maybe $200 or something. Um, so they were willing to pay for my services. And so that's when it kind of switched in my brain that, okay, cool, I'm going to start to charge. And and if people want something, um, you know, then I'm, I'll reach out to them and say, hey, I can do it. And I, might, and I thought at that time it might have been the price point was better for people because I wasn't going to be charging, you know, a thousand plus. I was like 200 to 300. So that's when I started to actually reach out and ask people to, if they wanted me to do photos for them. And, and off the back of that, um, we, and the same, same person, um, actually a guy named Russell Cook, he, he got me then onto my first, um, client because he was working for, uh, a, a boss at the time who wanted some video work. So he got me this sort of first meet and then I did a, a, a job, um, that really kicked things off for us with him. So yeah, and then I went in a pretty low price point, but then he added like all this extra stuff when I was in the meeting with him. So I just kind of went pretty hard and I didn't, it just kind of happens. It wasn't something I was pushing for, but I went, I sort of added like another thousand to the job and it ended up being like a really decent, um, decent video that we did for our first one. So yeah, it was awesome. That was kind of like the catalyst for realizing the potential. Um, yeah. And we could probably talk about that a little later, but how to sort of position yourself and price. I think it was always a little bit arbitrary in the beginning, but I sort of figured out how to, how to work, work with what budgets people had. And so we were never like, this is what, this is what we cost and this is what you need to pay. It was always like, oh, what's on the table, you know, what, what can we do and what's on the table? And, and, um, yeah, that was, that's a kind of key thing, I think, to really help people to understand that there's work out there, but it's not all going to be at the same level when you, especially when you're starting out. So. Oh, of course, of course. It's one of the hardest things to learn just kind of not to be afraid of like pitching numbers and stuff like that and, and to yep. get talking in that world. And once you get talking, you can see what's on the table and what the budget is and, and go from there. Were you the only person in like making these videos or did you have like a, a little group of people or? Yeah. So I had a business partner at the start. Um, I started with a guy named Jordy, um, John Donaldson. And so we kicked off things together and he, like, he was kind of just, he had a job, like a, a gig that he was doing a couple of days a week. Uh, and I, at the time still had my full-time job. So we kind of just started to get together like outside of hours and, and start to riff ideas and pitch different jobs and look for clients and set up a website, you know, so we kind of started and did things together, which was really cool. Um, and I think that was kind of what was a big catalyst as well because he was already really well-versed with video um, cinematographer and editor. He already had done quite a bit, quite a number of years. He was younger younger than me, so but he'd already mm. done quite a few years in it. Yeah, we kind of kicked off really well and, um, yeah, and did, um, yeah, did some good work together in the early days. Bring me up to speed of like when you put your, your two weeks in. Like how did you know you were ready to – make the jump and be like, Hey, I'm quitting. And then I'm going to pursue this, uh, other industry and and make videos full time. What happened with that was, um, because I was kind of in the space doing video work and on social, I was kind of talking about what I was doing. A guy who was actually at the church I was at, um, he was, had a business and they had some educational content that they were producing. So he kind of, we were taught in talks for a little while about it and we'd done a few projects at the church I was at. Like I'd just kind of helped out and given, um, given some time to it, you know, nothing really, he was running the creative. I was just kind of helping him and assisting him. So not really doing anything in terms of developing the video or ideas or anything like that. We were just kind of working together on it. Um, he, he was like, I've got an, I've got this kind of opportunity. Do you want to talk about it? So we start talking about this opportunity to produce some content for his company so really what gave me my big start and the big step was he gave me a six-month contract. <clears throat> I think originally it might have only been three months. And then from there, he was like, okay, cool. This is this is three months we can give you, but probably will extend to six months. So he literally, from 
from the time when, um, yeah, when he said, look, I've got this opportunity, you want to take it? That's when I knew, okay, this is, this is the time I need to take that step. And so I had a full, literally a full-time production where I was on a, uh, we were working on a Blackmagic Ursa and we were producing like content, filming every day, editing every day. Like it was literally, wow. it was massive, a massive uptake of task. And I think we, we then had planning for six months, but it ended up stretching out to nine months with a few extra things added on. So I was literally nine months, yeah, in a role um, producing and and editing and that was the thing. I don't know what, depending on what your beliefs are and everything it was like fate, some people might say, or it was like, you know, the universe was kind of calling out to me and saying, hey, this is what you should do. Um, or, you know, you could say it was God and like a miracle of God that I got that opportunity. But I think prior to that was like my headspace was in that, was like thinking, hey, this is what I really want to do and really, mm-hmm. you know, believing that that was available and and starting to, you know, um, position myself and my mind and mentality into taking this big, big leap and big shift. And, um, and when it came, when the opportunity was, was there, I was able to do it, you know? So, so I guess it's about like exactly what you said, like positioning yourself. So it does, you do align with those opportunities when they do come up because he might have not known that this is where your interests lie. And like at that point, did you have to give up the full-time job that you were at because it's like you can't take on a nine-month uh, contract without having everything free. Right. I, th- I think what happened then was about a month earlier, um, again, by sort of a, you know, I, I would call it, you know, a miracle really, I'd had a conversation with my current boss and said, I want to go four days a week um, because I hadn't – the. the what happened is I was in mining engineering, so I was doing big mining applications, so mining truck wheels and undercarriage and massive stuff for for mining in Australia. And mining had taken a big dive, so the price of oil had dropped heaps, and so the industry was kind of like you know in decline. And so what happened is work had kind of dried up, and I didn't really have enough work with with that company to last me the five days. And so I was, and also I hadn't had a raise for two years in that, in that company. And I was on a great salary. I wasn't complaining, but you know, normally I would get a raise and, and a bonus on the work that I was doing and, and the, the value I was providing, but because of the downturn, they weren't giving out any handouts. So essentially what happened is I went to him and said, look, I want to drop to four days a week and can you accommodate it? And he just flatly said, no. And so that was about three weeks prior to this um, happening. So right then and there, I was like, well, if there's no kind of, understanding of like, you know, me wanting to, to become something different. And he knew I was into creative um, media and stuff at the time, cause he'd followed along a bit of my journey with, with Instagram. And, and so that was like, well, if there's no option here, I'm spending like 40 hours, 50 hours a week here. And, uh, and there's no opportunity really for growth in create creativity. I, li- I literally realized, okay, I got to move on because um, otherwise they'll keep just capping, you know, where I can go with my creativity. And, and yeah, I, I would have liked to be able to drop down to four days a week. And I, I think I still would have provided the value they needed at the time. And I walked out of there three weeks. Well, I gave him my notice three weeks later and yeah, within five weeks I was gone. So uh, Man, that's insane. That's so good though. Like it just yeah. like fell into place. It, yeah. it is super big right now. I think it's like actually so recently that like the culture shift in which bosses have to handle their company are so, it's so important because that's how your company will thrive. If you worry about your culture or not so much like, I mean, not, not to not worry about the work and stuff, but if you focus on the culture and your workers and making them happy and giving them time off when it's not busy and all that, then there's no worries anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lesson that I think maybe I needed that clean, clean break. But I think if you have the opportunity to do that, I would definitely recommend doing that because you're then providing value still to your current employer who's looked after you and supported you and, and everything. And then you're then able to, you know, hustle more on the side. And I think that was my game plan in the beginning, but it was like, no, nah, you're going to do this clean. And so it was, mm-hmm. it was much, much harder to step out clean. Um, yeah. Cause the, the uptake of time as well with that new production role was I'd never been a producer before. So I literally had to learn 
you know, more caveats to every program like After Effects, um, Premiere Pro and all the stuff we were using, the camera Blackmagic system. I uh, literally, there was an uptake of time where I had to spend, you know, a bigger chunk of my time learning all that stuff as well as producing and providing that value that I signed up to. So that was kind of something that, you know, the work got, my workload went up and the work got harder, but that's, I guess, part of the journey. So we know how hard we work as, um, as, as video creators, you know, no one sees the, the real hours it takes. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's a whole nother breed of a, a person to be in the whole video industry as a whole, because when you have work, you're like you're working until it's, it's done pretty yep. much. Did you have any prior knowledge to like After Effects and black magic cameras and stuff? Were you just thrown in and you're like, okay, I got to learn them as fast as I can. I got to learn how to uh, use After Effects. Yeah, I'd, I'd sort of done a little bit. Um, and I think it was it was like in engineering, a lot of the stuff I did in uni was like learning programs and kind of figuring out programs for 3D design. I kind of worked for a number of years on figuring out how programs operate. And so the, the, the hardest program for me still to this day is, well, two programs really is Photoshop and Illustrator because they're, they're not, they're not set up in a way that an engineer, like a technically minded person can, can like understand. It's a cre- it's a full creative program. So I'm getting better and better, but it's like still to this day, it's like things about Illustrator just grind my gears because it's not, it's not set up in like a fluid technical, you know, step-by-step way. But yeah, I think it was um, a few smaller projects when I started with Premiere Pro and, and maybe this segues into that, the YouTube thing, but learning from tutorials on YouTube was a big part of that. And just really, um, you know, like I do the nine to five, I come home and do the family thing. And then, you know, eight, eight or nine o'clock, I'd jump on to my computer and literally work for another three hours to learn and to grow and to um, just consume content on how to produce videos, how to price videos, how to, you know, start a business, how to build a website, all that kind of stuff came out of, um, yeah, YouTube really and, and learning um, learning the stuff from there and then applying that in the job. So, yeah, then when I got into the job role, I think the thing was um, I had to be really efficient with my editing uh, when I first took this production role. And so for the first month probably or two, I was literally working like I'd do the day job and then I'd go home and work further to just make sure I was you know up to scratch with kind of the timeframes and, and um, being able to produce the amount of work that was required. So, um, no one really knew that, um, I, that I was doing that to make sure that I could meet the deadlines and stuff. But for someone who's been in it for three or four years or five years, they've, they've got that skill in editing to like fast track things and know how to cut up an interview and know how to like, you know, do that, the titles really easily. But for me, it was all like doing it for the first time. So yeah. So although I had the, the knowledge of the, the skills required, um, it was still that uptake of time to like build the the speed and and build the understanding. So, what what came first for you? Like, obviously, you were consuming content on YouTube, but had you escalated in making your own agency first, or were you did you start creating on YouTube and getting into that space? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because I think what sparked the YouTube was for me like a little bit of a backstory. I'm I'm always unsure. I was unsure why I didn't start it earlier, and I think one of the issues for me was my confidence. Um, I I felt like um, starting later was better because I developed who I was and I knew about you know I knew about myself and I knew what my weaknesses and strengths were. And so I didn't have a lack of confidence or insecurity. I think if I had started earlier um, to produce them and pump out content, I think my insecurities would have really shown through and and people would have not not really connected as well with me. Um, so because I kind of question that because I really would have, you know, liked to have start YouTube, you know, at 20 years old or 25 or, you know, the younger you can start, the better because, you know, people on the journey with you, then it's like mm-hmm. they've known you from a young, you know, a young age and stuff like that. And you can build your audience quicker and everything like that um, and, and build that community and give back more earlier. But I think if you're lacking confidence and and that's evident on camera and stuff, then it's not going to be as palatable. People aren't going to get as much 
um, you know, gold out of you and, and they're not going to, and they're not going to transact as much on the things that you say and what you share. So that was kind of a question I had about it. Um, to say that all, all that to say that I think when I did go on YouTube, I was ready, you know, I was ready to pump out content. And the first few things I did on the platform was I did like an Ableton live tutorial. So for the church I go to, I was running some Ableton stuff. And, um, so I was doing worship tracks and stuff. So I did like an Ableton live tutorial and then, People were like, hey, how do I do this? And I thought I could maybe do a video of that. So I would do a video and just send them, you know, just a video for one person. <laughs> I would send one person <laughs> a video and say, hey, here's a 20-minute video on how to do this. And then they would say the feedback was, oh, that's so good, so amazing. Oh, you should put this on YouTube, you know, that sort of thing. And then, um, yeah, and then moving into, into the client workspace where I was doing creative work and having my business, um, starting my business, um, I would do like a, a video for a client. Hey, here's how you boost your post on Facebook or here's how you run SEO um, on your website in the back end. And I'd do a screen capture and I'd send it to them, you know, just a video for just one person. And they would just go, oh, that's amazing. They would get so much value out of it. So I realized the value out of giving of my time on, you know, the platform and video and creating like videos that would give back. Um, and then I thought, well, hey, this could work for the camera gear that I use and this could work for the the stuff that I've learned about production and and all of that stuff. And so after I thought about it for about six months or 12 months because I still didn't really have runs on the board as a producer or as a video videographer or cinematographer. But then as I started to make traction in my business and everything, I thought, well, hey, this is something now I can um, really give back to people. I know this works. It's worked for me and my business. And so that's when I started to share, um, yeah, share more about it and post videos, um, <clears throat> yeah, more regularly. So I think you mentioned about whether the agency was set up or not yet, and yes, it was. Um, so I maybe I, I was on YouTube from like 2012, but I didn't really post anything um, until 2017. And then 2018, we went on holiday in Feb, and I was like, I'm going to post every single week. So it was like this decision that I made while we're on holidays is like, I'm going to post wow. every week. And, and I did that. We're on holiday. Um, cause I had the time to, but it literally was taking mm -hmm. me a week to edit one video. <laughs> I just wanted to get them perfect, you know? And, and then, and, but then after that, I kind of got, you know, back into work back home. And then I thought, okay, I need to just speed this process a bit more and not take too long. So then I was pumping them out in, you know, a day and a half or a, a one big evening. Yeah. I feel like with YouTube, you can't, be perfect you're gonna have to like let your own it's just like okay this is it's 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 better to be out there faster and quicker and you get your own time because you are giving your time to people but what I wanted to ask you was um do you have any tips for kind of like overcoming kind of the fear to to post online like even myself I I have ideas that like I want to post on YouTube but there's something about like putting the camera in front of myself and, and just kind of going for it and posting it online. I don't know what people are going to think. And do you have any tips for like making sure that you are totally in it? Yeah. Well, I think that's like, I'd talked about that before for me was the insecurity f factor. And, um, and I think it's probably a good thing to feel that and to know that and to have that barrier of like, oh, I don't know if I, really want to do this. So I don't know if I'm comfortable with this because it makes you realize that, um, that in order to do it, you, there's something you need to overcome, you know, and you've got to step out mm -hmm. in something and do it. And so for me, it was like, well, I'm actually going to let go of everything that I'm not. And I'm going to let go of, um, you know, everything that's kind of holding me back and let go of the fear of it and just, and just do it and put it out there. And that's a freeing thing when you're on camera and you, you know, because uh, it's funny because you just asked a question before I looked at my screen here showing me and I'm like, ah, oh, there I am. You know, that's me. Like, <laughs> you know, what have I got to say or to give or, you know, but that's the thing that was in the, is the internal monologue of, of everybody, I think. Oh, hundred percent. But just giving yourself permission to try and to be like, I'm going to just put it out there. When I'm getting to the headspace of like looking at the camera lens and talking to the camera, I'm going to let go of insecurity. I'm going to let go of the fear of what people think. And so that's kind of not the the presiding mood of what you're doing. So, and I think what I did is I focused on, because I'm technically minded, I focused on, all right, I'm going to talk for 20 minutes about these camera settings, you know, I'm going to do a video on the, and the, I started on the 5D Mark IV. And the first video I put out was really 
answering a question that was on YouTube, I uh, felt like it wasn't being answered, which was, well, I guess it was a statement saying the 5D4 is not a bad camera. Like I use it for my production and it was like answering that question and it went awesome. I think it's had 30,000 views and I think it had been, it had been canned so much. And I thought, no, this is, I use it and I love it. And so I'm going to like literally go out on a limb and I could have got literally caned and hammered and whatever, whatever the words are to say, you know, get, get <laughs> sort of um, canned for it. But literally everyone who, was also like, yeah, you know what? I really think it's a good camera too. Like I actually use it and I like it. And I don't know what everyone who's on about Sony is saying, you know, and not, this is not a Sony bash. I love Sony. The a7 III I think is an incredible camera as well. But but it's just that thing of like people realizing, you know, hey, I've got something to say and, and I'm just going to put aside everything else. I'm going to put aside how I look on camera. I'm going to put aside that I don't feel comfortable. I'm going to just put that aside for 20 minutes and talk about, the a7 III or talk about the Canon 5D or the Canon EOS R. Mm-hmm. And literally doing that is so freeing because you are just like, I'm just going to give information on that and I'm going to just put myself aside for a moment and think about an audience who might be listening to this, who might be interested in this. And what I did as well is is I was like, I don't want to just be the camera guy or the 5D guy or the EOS guy. So what I did is I put out content like, okay, I'm going to do a video that I know is going to be searchable, but then I'm also going to do mm-hmm. a, vlog, a vlog with a title like I have two dogs or I work out of my garage or a title that no one's going to search for. No one's going to f- really find it, but I want when people to land and, and become part of the journey for me and subscribe, let's say, to see, okay, he's doing one a month on a camera on a technical thing that can really help me, but he's going to do a vlog and he's going to do a screen capture and he's going to talk about his business. So like literally there's this varied content that so I'm not bringing people into like you're going to get this exact video every week or you're going to learn this exact thing every week. It's almost like I'll give you a bit of that and and that's going to help you. But I'm also wanting to give you a vlog like where I talk about what I'm interested in and show you my family and show you my world. And I also want to talk about um, you know how I built my business to where it is or how you can grow YouTube or so things like that is what I sort of how I kind of navigated um, in terms of creating content and then and then focusing on what I'm talking about in the video and not focusing on the things that I'm not. It's so crazy that for your first kind of uh, video that like kind of knocked it out of the park and put you on the map was so controversial. And that would have been a little bit scary for me, but I think what I personally appreciate and I think the community appreciates about you and, and the way you handle yourself and put out content is that you're just completely open, honest, and just like, Here's what I think about it. There's no biases. There's no clickbait titles. There's no like this or that. It's just like, here it is. Here's what I think. And like, it's just so genuine. And I think if it's not genuine, people can see right through it. Yeah. And I think because you you are, people are like, okay, yeah, I'm, I am I like this guy. I'm going to gravitate towards him. And I think that's why it works, you know? Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. I kind of want to dive into the other side because it's it's like you have this public life but you also have a totally private like you make money you have a family that is probably most of your life on the other side yeah yeah right so tell me a little bit about your agency and, and when you started started that so about 2016 uh i think it was maybe the first first video we did was 2015 uh, August or September. And we didn't really have a name or anything yet. We didn't have a website yet. Um, and that was when I said, I started with Geordie, my business partner at the time. Within about a year, we kind of developed the idea for Pendula and the name and the branding. And, and we, we then mm-hmm. started a website and everything within that first year. So then, you know, by the end of 2016, we were really on the journey of like, we had a, we had a brand, we had a, you know, an agency, we had like a front door, which was our website. Um, and, and yeah, from there it was like, we started to market pretty heavily. We used Google ads in the beginning. So Google, um, AdWords, and it was like literally a really low spend, $150 a month us. And that was getting us maybe three to five leads a month. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was good to start with. It really was. Um, but you were already getting clients and stuff before this, you had already been pursuing video production full time. Yep. Yep. So the business had been going like three and a half years now, but that first year was, I was still had uh, another job on the side as well. 
And so, yeah, June of June, July of um, 2016, it was like, here we are. Like, I don't know where the next paycheck's coming from. You know, <laughs> or maybe we had a video that I was producing at that time. So I knew, okay, there's like three or four grand coming in once this is done. But yeah, it was literally we were working month to month. And like I'll say as well, like, honestly, I went from, you know, 100K take home to maybe I think that first year was like I took home 30 in the pocket. So I had a yeah, bit of- You have to take the hit. Yeah, I had a bit up my sleeve, but I, and I really like, you know, some of the people out there right now in this in the space of entrepreneurialism saying that, you know, you might that might be two or three years of uptake um, before you're matching and, and, and exceeding what you were, what you were doing before in your career, you know, or your sort of stable job. And I think that's true. I think it's, we had some buffer zone and stuff and some buffer cash and, and, um, some payouts and things that helped us a lot. Uh, but yeah, literally it was like a third, that first, that first, I think it was nine months in that first year. And then- Did and you then have the a next- child at that point? Yeah, so he came along um, very soon after that. So he was born um, July 2017. So he came up the next the year later uh, after that. But like I said, right right about that time is when we got pregnant. So um, so so we I'd started a business. I was fresh out on my own, and then we were pregnant with our first child, um, which was amazing, incredible, and yeah, it was just the best thing, but it was like, oh, I don't have yeah. income. I don't really have a steady or stable income. Yeah, um, it's pressure for sure. Wow. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and I would say, you know, for the, for the men out there, you know, boyfriends, husbands, like if you, you, you got to do what you got to do. You have to look after your family. So I was blessed by having a wife who was understanding that, that this is more my lane and she could tell I was not, not dying, but I was, you know, locked up inside in my current career and, and everything. And she could see that, that, you know, I needed to go on a journey and she was, she was able to grace me with that and give me that journey. But if you're in a situation where you can't do that for whatever reason, and you have to look after your family, then you just take more time, take, take a longer timeline, maybe do a five-year timeline of, of like side hustling for longer, you know, and building up, building your brands. You think about your life. It's like, well, if in five years or even in 10 years, you're doing what you want to do and the dreams becoming reality, that's okay. You know, at least in Mm -hmm. 10 years, you're still not stuck in a rut or doing something for a boss you don't like or for a job you don't really um, see future for you in. What's the jump from like, you start, you're making a couple hundred bucks, you landed, you land a job that's maybe like 500 bucks to a grand. How do you start getting like photo video clients and, and stuff like that to produce maybe like a five grand budget or like a 10 grand budget? Because in my eyes, sometimes the video that you're delivering is exactly the same. And the only thing that's different is the the price. Yeah. Yeah. Th- and this is where it was something I had to learn, but I knew going into it um, because I'd watched YouTube videos on it and I'd seen how other creators had positioned it but um the the basic idea is you you have to work out what's on the table so you figure out what's on the table and and so I would always enter that conversation around budget really early on in the piece Mm -hmm. and I just got okay with saying how much money do you have right now to if I was to say I can produce a video um and it's going to be like this and it's going to do this for your business and it's going to help you in this area how much money could you put down to do that are we talking a thousand dollars? Are we talking three thousand? Are we talking five thousand? So I literally got okay with it. But in the beginning, like I remember back before this, before I kind of got okay with that in terms of a client meeting, probably the first year, we would literally Jordan and myself, my business partner at the time, we would sit there and go, "How much do you reckon?" And we'll just look at each other and think about it and throw out numbers and ideas. And because, you know, before we had what we were worth per hour, like an idea of what we were worth per hour and what production, yeah what a videographer is worth per hour. Mm-hmm. We would literally just kind of come up with these numbers and be like, all right, we're going to, we're going to do that. You know, all right, that's a $3,000 video. Good. Boom. We're going to put that out there. So it was like very arbitrary in the, in the beginning. Um, it was more kind of figuring out the market and allowing ourselves to kind of not hit the mark and lose it, lose out on something because we were like, no, that's for like for a half day shoot testimonial, six grand is like way too much right now in this market. 
you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but three grand's more. Okay, cool. Well, we'll we'll try. It. We'll go again with this next one, and we'll do. And because we had the five leads or three or four leads a month, you know, in that in that first kind of year, I you suppose. Just tested and we test tested. The waters. Yeah, we tested and we didn't worry if we didn't get. And then and then you know, you get to the end of the month, we're like, oh, I really need something. Okay, well, we'll quote the we'll underquote this. So we know if we're competing mm-hmm. with other companies, we'll probably get it. It was really just a just testing the waters and training yourself to basically approach the money question without flinching, without being like, um, so, um, yeah, well, yeah. so how much um, do you think um, it's more like, so what <laughs> What are we talking about here? Like are we talking a grand or six grand? Do you want a day shoot or three-day shoot? Do you want lifestyle elements and, and talent or do you want just you on camera? And it's literally like giving them all the info for them to go, well, I think, you know, around about middle of that. So then, you know, okay, we're working with three grand here budget. We know they've got the money because we've talked to them directly about it. And then providing a quote that's maybe 28.50 or 29.50. And mm-hmm. then, and then at least then they're comp- they know what they've got. And they're, if they're comparing it to something else, they know, okay, well, these, this is what is offered. And so, yeah, they know. And I think it was, I wasn't comfortable in the beginning with doing that, but I very quickly realized, okay, this is what I need to, is how I need to position myself if this is going to not always be an awkward thing. And so the other thing is a really important part is I actually make a phone call now. So, and we've positioned and structured everything so that you don't get much information before we're talking about a budget, you know, before we like come down to like, okay, what is it? How much is it? And what are you thinking? Because then it's like, I'm giving all this stuff and I was always giving, 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 and then they might take it and use it for the next videographer or they might, you know, use mm-hmm. it. They might not do the video this time. And then they've got it there to go out to other videographers and say, this is exactly the brief because I've provided it to them. So now it's like the, it's limited information until um, I know we're talking a monetary value and they've got a budget and they're ready to go and ready to move. Do you have a contract and stuff now that people have to like, that's kind of the first row of business is just like, I'll give you a, a quote. Yep. And then from there you kind of go forward. Yeah. So in the beginning we didn't have contracts and we certainly do now, but it was because there was like a barrier between, um, you know, get the con- get the quote signed and then, oh, here's a contract. And, you know, I've got all these things that we can and can't do. And, and so it was this barrier that we found it difficult to cross in the beginning. We certainly tried to implement it. Um, but now because we've got kind of credibility, I guess, in our market here and the work that we've done is is with great great clients and then we just feel the contract every single video now and it's it's mm. really easy process and it gets signed off uh, straight away um but before it was hard it was we tried to and i'd say be wise about it because it's not very good to go out and do work without a contract especially when we're talking about licensing uh, video that you've shot stuff that is attached to you know, monetizing for your clients and then making money off things you produce. Yeah, that was sort of something that we I always wanted to get in place as, as quickly as we could, but there was an uptake of time where um, there was just this big barrier to people signing contracts. So we'd go through the quote, everything, everyone would be really happy with everything and then we'd field the contract and it would just the contract would just fall over, like the whole thing would just flatline. And so that's where it was like, it's we, so we, weird. We tested it. We tested it. We tested it, and and we just kept testing it. And now there's a flow to it where it's part of um, part of the process. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Have you ever and not it, been paid for a job? Yeah. Yeah, we have. <laughs> Is that were the kind of the contract rolled in? Yeah, we had. Um, so there we had a quote, you know, outlined in a quote, and so there were some terms in our quotation. Uh, but literally they just blanked, they just blanked it and, um, and said that we didn't do stuff that we did do. Um, that was a second big contract that we had. Um, second big contract we had, we shot it on a red, uh, and you know, there was budget available and that's where we, you know, in the beginning I was, I went hard on knowing what was on the table and I knew, I knew there was money available. So we went and did a production to that level and, um, and yeah, it was like we we lost out four thousand dollars on that contract um, in the end. So we we completed it. It's 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 part of our portfolio. They're using 
the video, um, we didn't take legal action because at the time we were small and would have cost us mm-hmm. more to, to do that. Probably would have sunk us as a company to do that. So we let it, we let it slide. Uh, I emailed the client for maybe three months or four months to try and negotiate and, and figure everything out, but they didn't respond to any of that. I think even if there was a contract in play with that, they still would have- It wouldn't have went. No, nah, they still would have done, did what they did. And, and that's something that we just put down to experience and we're ready, we're ready for it to happen again. Like if it happens again and it's okay, you know, it's okay. You get, another, you get another job the next month and you, you try and move on as best you can. So Yeah. It's like our industry is such that it's just, it's different than the way everything else works. You know, everyone else gets paid kind of bi-weekly or you got to come up with the money up front. I've been in same scenarios. Like I'm a freelance editor and I'll go into to agencies and stuff and sit in for a week or something. So similar kind of experience that I went in, sat in for a whole week. And I mean, it, it is my fault because I'll go sit in, work the whole week, invoice them, never hear back from them, Man. email them for a couple of months. And then it's just like, well, okay, I can't even... Like, I don't even want to use that for my portfolio now because of the bad taste, but that's where the contract comes in. And I never really thought that that was important to like get that to be signed and like, what are the terms of payment? And like, I think just repetition, like you were saying, just kind of test it out, pitch numbers and get comfortable about talking about it. It's just, it's a slow process, but eventually it will become natural to say these numbers that are your rates and that um, are appear on your invoices and to kind of like argue for um, like, sorry, this is how much this costs. If you don't like it, that's too bad, I guess. I think as well, like having the ability to say no, I've said no to things and, you know, maybe it's a small video job or something and just didn't feel like, it was going to go from the start. Sometimes I just get a gut feel like there's not going to go well. I can do it and, and it'll be sweet and I'll, ha- I'll be able to keep them happy. But really, it's going to be hard. And that might mean <laughs> it's meant like, for example, um, just real honest, like we had a payment that was being dragged from a client. And because we're working with bigger clients now, they mm-hmm. their payment terms are up to 60 days sometimes you know that's so fun. i'm like that's a I'm fun knock- one <laughs> yeah i'm knocking on the door going hey there's a little guy who's like working out of his garage just did an amazing video for you but um you you now owe me three grand and can you pay it tomorrow they're like oh yeah that'll be in our month end in like five weeks you know and i'm like uh so we were literally in this in this cash flow hole and friends had to buy us groceries they bought us two weeks of groceries um, and so, you know, no one will share that, but that is reality because you, we, we might have six or $7,000 owing and it's dragged mm-hmm. out for six weeks or eight weeks and people are like, yeah, fantastic. High five. We just did an amazing video. It's already online and you haven't been paid yet. And your yeah. friends are, your friends having to buy your groceries and everyone is telling you, um, you're amazing. But if you really told people, they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, don't do that to your family. Like, don't go out and get a real job, you know? Yeah. And so that's the reality though. It's like, if you, if you're playing on that level, then you've got to be prepared to sort of suck that up. And and that's because, um, I've, I have said no to things where I'm like, this is not going to be good. But knowing that saying no means, oh, we're going to have a, a bit of a hole in cash flow here for, you know, the foreseeable next three weeks at least. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and just being, having an overdraft, all oh, that's great. Having business overdraft, having credit card, that's great. But it's not wanting to go into debt on that and having friends that are like, Hey, if you're struggling, like, we'll, you know, don't, don't just use your credit card. Like we'll get you something. We'll buy a few weeks of groceries to tide you over. So being able to have that conversation and being not insecure about it and being like, this is where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. I'm on the right, I'm on the right path. I'm on the right journey doing the right thing, but it doesn't, the runs on the board don't show that or like the bank balance doesn't show it. It's okay. Um, it's, it's fine. Totally fine. Dude, and it, yeah. Those are amazing friends. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and for me, it was so humbling because I didn't know how to do it because with engineering, I was always the one doing that because people were honest with me and I was like, hey, I just want to help you out. I want to give you this, I want to do this for you, whatever that looked like. And we had a separate account to do that. And we were like, you know, really generous with other people and generous with our finances. And then being on the other end of the spectrum, it literally, the, the humility that that develops and like 
you know, within me, it's like, wow, okay. I, and I didn't even know how to accept it because they just rocked up to a house with the groceries and I was, I didn't even know what my emotions were doing at that time. Like I was just all over the place because it was so overwhelming. Like it was so much like, whoa, you know, like here we are doing what I feel yeah. like I should be doing. But then this, <laughs> this, uh, this is the thing that's happening on the side and, you know, and why aren't the, why can't the client just pay right now? Just do a quick transaction right now and we and everything will be fine, yeah. but having just to send accept. Any transfer. Yeah. <laughs> so easy. <laughs> And, but having to accept, okay, no, this is happening. Like this is, and it's okay. This is fine. I mean, at at the same point, me and my girlfriend struggled to pay rent when I went freelance, and in my yeah. head, I was like, I don't want to be doing this every month. I like, I'm working, and I'm just paying rent every single month, and I try to get at least six months ahead to be like, if I don't get a job or I don't get paid for thirty, sixty days, you're talking a month, right? Two months. Like, you need to be prepared to kind of be ahead of that and especially having a, a family, like a home, a, a child, how do you kind of battle and combat that? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, I feel like most businesses run like on their sort of day-to-day transactional accounts, they run with a business overdraft. And so mm-hmm. um, they've got that ability to sort of like bleed into the account or like, you know, go into the negative because they know, okay, we've got cash flow forecast that's going to like you know, bring that back up to, um, you know, bring that back up to, to unity. And, 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 and I guess the increase every year for our business has been, there's that knowledge of it's, there's growth in terms of like the, the annual turnover has gone up every year and it's, and the type of clients we, we're now, jobs we're now doing is much less jobs, but bigger budgets and bigger clients. So there's been that growth and increase in, in how we've gone up in the market. So it's this understanding of like, we don't have a big overdraft and we, we, we've we not gone into debt to be in business. So like the amount of people reaching out is, oh, business loans and, you know, do this and do this. And I would say, don't do that. I would say, make sure you can you can launch it out of your own pocket or out of savings you have, or, you know, you, you're prepared to take that sort of leap of faith without needing to have um, a bunch of um, loans or to sort of support it and prop it up. If you look at all the, you know, the balance sheet of our life, it's way in the positive. But on a day-to-day, you know, business running basis, it might be, you know, sometimes it might be a few hundred minus or plus, you know, it might only just be like, look like it's on, look on paper, like, oh, well, it's not doing that great. But then when you look at like the balance sheet of, of our life and my career and all that stuff, it's actually, you know, it's well in the positive. Um, so I think that's how I handle it in my mind because, yeah, when, mm-hmm. you, when you're two weeks strung out and you're, you, you know, you can't do a full grocery shop, um, you can't really put a fuel tank, full tank of fuel in your car, and and people would say that's crazy, and and maybe it is, um, but certainly those people that saying that are generally not in a career they love, and um, you know they they may be working for someone who um, or, or doing something that's really hard on them and taxing on them, and they're not fully themselves, you know, because if they, if, I feel like if they are fully themselves and doing what they're really called to do, they can say, Hey, it's going to be okay. And they can bring groceries around. Right. <laughs> because yeah. that's, that's the way I react to it now. I'm like, Hey, it's okay. Like, and I, and I, whatever way I can support someone in that same situation, I, I can do that. I can say, Hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. few last questions from all the creating that you do, whether it is for production company or just putting out for YouTube uh, tutorial vlog or just doing like a review. How do you avoid being burnt out from creating? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think when I started doing it full time, I was I was creating for this production company and I was creating all day and I was coming home and creating like into the evening. So it's funny that you, and this might be good for some someone listening, like, if you're doing work like a day job that you don't really like, but then you can create at night and you ha- and you, you love that. So if you're a musician or something, you come home from job and you and you create music or you, you like photography, you do that on the weekends. It's actually a good situation to be in because, you know, even though you're maybe not loving your day job, you're still making a living and you're able to do creativity, you know, in your own time and on your own terms. So I think what I found for me was, and YouTube maybe is the reason in an outlet for this is I was creating on someone else's terms 
and creating content that someone else had kind of sold, you know, given me or fed me the creative on and trying to produce work that people were happy with, um, even though maybe I didn't think it was the exact right concept or, you know, a perfect idea. Um, and then I, f- I feel like doing that all day, then having the, the resource to create for yourself in the evening still, because I still was into music. I still wanted to do my own photography, my own YouTube videos. I still wanted to, you know, plan content and, and, and go on a shoot with a friend. So certainly there is that, there is that difference of like being in a creative job and then creating for yourself. There's that, um, you know, there's a potential to get burnt out on it. And so what I found was to have more breaks um, would really work for me. And, and I treat it like a nine to five. So I, tr- I sort of set up in the morning um, to start by 9am. So, you know, I wake up, my son wakes up like 6am. So we get up and we have a break, we have breakfast, we have a morning together as a family. And then like by eight, eight 30, I'm kind of cr- cruising to kind of get into gear for, for work. I might be on my phone for 15, 20 minutes, you know, from eight 30. Um, and then by 9am, I'm literally like sitting at my desk and, and working. So I kind of treat it like that because I grew near 10 years in engineering. I, uh, that was ingrained in me. You were, mm-hmm. you were nine, you were nine to five, you know, yeah. and it, and it kind of works good for me now with, with my family. Cause my son's up at six. So I get a few hours in the morning with him and with my wife. And then, and then in the evening at, by five, I'm done for, for the, that bulk part of the day. And that doesn't mean I don't come back. Sometimes I've got to come back and do, you know, two or three hours of power up until midnight. But, um, usually by five, I'm sort of out having dinner, but structuring yeah. it like that, so that psychologically I was kind of in the zone during those hours of the day. And also that my friends um, were uh, and my family were like, okay, cool. He's out for those hours. There's that barrier of like, Hey, I'm, I'm working now and I'm busy with stuff now. So yeah, in terms of um, having that balance and, and keeping, yeah, keeping my day structured. And, and then when I get really stuck like you know you get stuck in an edit and you're like you just can't move on you, you a minute oh, into yeah. a to a two minute edit and you're like oh, what can I do here what clips can I use so what I do is I actually take a break so I'll I'll like render the timeline and then I'll just walk across the road so I've got like a kilometer away over the over the highway which is near us there's like a coffee shop there there's some shops and so I'll literally just walk over and I'll get a coffee and or I'll walk over and I'll grab like something to eat and literally the walk from here to there, I'll, I'll leave my phone at home. I'll leave everything at home and I'll just walk over. And that gives me like a reboot. It's almost like a reboot creatively because I can think about mm-hmm. what I'm stuck on without looking at it. And I can actually visualize how to kind of, okay, I could try this. I could try this. I could try this. So I might walk and I might be thinking like, yeah, what, what about my life or what about my fam or what have I got to do tomorrow? Like not thinking about the actual thing. And while I'm kind of walking and processing other stuff, I'll be like, okay, this edit, and then I'll feel like I get, you know, creative flow back. And and then by the time I bought the coffee and go through the process of paying the clerk and saying, hey, thanks for the coffee, whatever, <laughs> and then I'm walking back and I'm thinking, okay, I know what I'm going to try when I get back. I'm going to try this, you know, and I'll literally within that kilometre or two kilometre walk, I'll get clarity on what I need to do or I'll be like, no, I'm really stuck and I need to take an hour out. So I'll – I'll then try and hook up with a friend or something to, you know, that afternoon to go hang out or I'll, mm-hmm. um, or I'll say to my wife, hey, do you want to go grab lunch or do you want to go grab like an early dinner or something? So I'll try and then set up time because one of my things that recharges is hanging out with people. So being mm-hmm. um, being able to like hang out with someone and, and, you know, just riff off them, hear how they're going, share some stuff from my week that really refuels. So I'll often do that in my week as well. And it was something in the beginning, which was like, they're not a client. This is going to have no monetary value. Um, You know, not that I'm trying to get money out of everybody. It's not just meaning like my time, I'm going to give an hour of my time to this person to go grab coffee and I'm going to drive there for 15, 20 minutes. And I'm going to drive, you know, so two hours out of my day, which is not going to return anything, but I realized actually this is refueling. So this is actually giving mm-hmm. me fuel and, you know, just certain people, friends and who want to hang out and, and uh, we really, we vibe off each other, one another. That's been a real key um, and something that I've, I've done. I'm knowing, understanding myself more and more of how I get refueled. So yeah, the one thing is to take a break and go for a walk. Um, and then the other thing is to hang out, well, for me to hang out with people um, and mm-hmm. sort of get, 
flow again when I'm hanging out with people and knowing what refuels you for you for others that might be doing some music or creating something different. Um, oh, for sure. You know, or watching a YouTube video maybe to to get um, some inspiration that can be something for others as well. So, yeah, yeah, that's my my way of yeah making maintaining balance. I feel like we're losing you know, just face-to-face interaction of like going to hang out with someone to have coffee. Like you were saying, I don't think yeah. people are getting the value of like, you actually recharge right. more than you would if you were staring at your phone because your brain is just firing. Like when you're looking at your phone, doing so many things at once, yep. Yep. when you're with somebody, you're totally engaged and you're just, it's more like a calm experience, I want to say. And like, right. when you come back, I totally agree with you that you feel refreshed yeah. and I yep. feel like we're slowly falling away from that because it is something, not just in editing, but pretty much anything you can kind of get run down and, and burnt down. And it's really important to like be in tune with yourself and find, okay, maybe reading a book is what I need to do at least every week just to read a couple pages to reset my brain and to slow down. And just to remember that, yeah, the time is time, but like I, I deserve to just be calm in some of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's interesting you mentioned books because I think the problem with social is there's there's no start and end point and it's not structured. You know, when I went through university, like we learned how to write an essay and an essay is, you know, you've got an introduction, you've got a, a body and a conclusion. So you've got to start kind of middle and finish. But with social, it's this endless cycle of of no start point really and no finish point. So it's really aimless. I feel like it's, you know, sort of scrolling online is kind of aimless because you, you might land on people who have got great stories, let's say Instagram mm-hmm. stories. And so they've got to start in a middle and an end and that's really good for your brain, but there's no sort of process of going from, okay, here's an idea and I'm going to then read how this is fleshed out in the middle of this book. And then by the end, I'm going to have a conclusion to what that idea means and how maybe how I can apply that idea or what I can do with it. So that's my thing. And blog posts, you know, can be well-written and they can be written in that, in that essay format, but they can also just be like a bunch of ideas in a post that doesn't really start anywhere or end anywhere. And you're like, you're reeling at the end of it, trying to figure out, okay, what does that even mean? And okay, where do I go from here? So I feel like that's the issue. Um, and that's why books are really, really important um, to get a collection of ideas or an idea that's really fleshed out um, in, in one small package in one sitting or like, you know, a few, a few weeks of reading a book, you, you get that download in and it's, it's really good for your brain and people, I think mm-hmm. we're, lo- we're losing that a little bit. Certainly writers and writing has changed and I never used to be that much of a reader, but now I really try and make time to read, um, yeah, read content in, in books because it's in book form because it's structured and, and, um, it goes from start to finish there. Yeah. What would be like one thing that you would suggest to people maybe something that you do daily or weekly or monthly um, that kind of just calms you. I don't know if it is actually reading a book or hanging out with friends, just something that, you know, any, any listener could just be like, you know what, I'm going to try to implement that into my own life. For me, um, I've always been into music. Um, so literally I've played for like the last, or well, since I was like 10 years old, I started to learn acoustic guitar and sing. Oh, right on. So that's kind of what been my outlet. Even when, as an engineer, I was always doing that behind the scenes. So it'll, so now it's changed a little bit where like musically I'll like compose something like I'll, I've got a, a, you know, keyboard, M audio keyboard. So like I'll compose something that no one will ever hear <laughs> because I'm not a composer really. Um, but it's just, I'll, I'll make some sounds and I'll make some beats and I'll, Maybe one day it'll be in a video. I don't, I don't know. You know, it's just like oh, ideas. Dude, put it in a video, but, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's literally, it's creating, for me, it's creating um, for myself and stuff that people mm-hmm. won't necessarily see because a lot of what I create now is, you know, like the corporate stuff and commercial stuff is for businesses to to promote mm-hmm. stuff and, and the YouTube is for, for me to give back and so people, you know, to, to add value to people. So people are consuming content I'm creating and things I'm creating. So for a create, I feel like I'm in the core of me, I'm a creator, a creative person. Then I need to have things that are just stuff that I, I doodle with, you know, it's like a sketchbook that you open up and you just kind of like sketch ideas and no one really sees it. And it's not something you're going to release or sell. Or So for me, that's music still. 
Um, so I've got an acoustic that I'll jump on and jam immediately once a week, once or twice a week. And then, and then like oh, once, amazing. yeah, once a month I'll, I'll pull out the M audio and I'll just like run with some beats and I'll muck around with some synths and some ideas and create some pads. And I actually did a little thing recently where I recorded a voiceover and I put it to this cinematic track and, um, and, uh, I actually, it was like something I created for me, but I'm like, ah, this is actually good. For the first time I was like, this is, could be something, you know, I was like, this is actually, should I try and do this more? And so, so yeah, I, so maybe it'll become something, but it doesn't have to either. And there's no pressure on that side of my creativity to to monetize it or to need the need to, you know, create value for someone else in it, which is quite freeing as well. So it's just time spent, um, yeah, refueling, recharging. So whatever that is for, for the listeners is like, it could be for you. It could be, yeah, hanging out with a friend or it could be, you know, producing a kind of video that is is more you than what you're currently producing for, you know, to make money. It could be um, not music. It could be some other thing like um, running or fitness or, yeah, all sorts of stuff. But it's just you time. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like more important to like do something that you want and necessarily maybe not put it out. You know, yeah. like that's not the important part. That's right. Where can people find you online? Yeah, so I've just recently set up michaeldrelly.com. So my business is called Pendula Digital and that was where like portfolio and everything was on there. But now it's all moved across to michaeldrelly.com and then Pendula is just sort of for the corporate work I do. So yeah, check out michaeldrelly.com. I've got cool. um, a gear page on there, the gear that I use. I've got uh, a giveaway at the moment that I'm running. Um, so you can check out the giveaway for a mouse and yeah, check out my YouTube channel. That's where a lot of the content weekly will go up um, on the stuff that I do, my business, my the camera gear I use, all that sort of thing. So, yeah, check it out. Right on, right on. So YouTube and your website, yep. is that the best place? And Instagram? Yeah. You so in- throw your Instagram in there? Instagram is Michael J, little letter J, Drowley. Uh, so check that out too. I do some Insta stories from now and again. I'm not as active on Instagram. I, I love YouTube as a platform because it gives back to creators. Uh, that's why I think it works. It's a community of creators and because it gives back, creators want to hang out there and be there. So uh, I feel like Instagram's still a little bit um, more look at me and more, um, yeah, not as geared towards creators. So that's why I'm not as active on Instagram, but I have a presence there and I do some behind the scenes Insta stories which will come out, you know, once a month when I'm on a project. So, yeah, you want to check me out on Instagram yeah. as well? Go for it. Well, thanks for joining me this morning, I guess. Your morning, my night, but it was great talking to you, man. Appreciate it. And thank you so much, Spencer. Yeah, I really appreciate being part of what you're doing and, yeah, I hope it goes really well for you. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and as always, if you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hey, email me at hello at thecreativeherd.ca, and I will see you in the next episode.